0: Welcome, everybody, to the 21st episode of the Duncan with Dom podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Chapone. Um, we're doing things a little bit different today. Uh, it's just going to be a quick solo pod, about 35-ish minutes or so. Uh, we will have guests returning starting with our next episode. We have a whole thing regarding the NFL draft and all that good stuff. Um, but I wanted to touch upon today uh, a lot of questions regarding the NBA playoffs, a lot of the contenders, and basically just run down the landscape uh, going forward because there's obviously a very intriguing a couple intriguing storylines along the way um, there's obviously a couple questions regarding where teams will end up who are some of the actual NBA contenders who are some of the top teams who I have a lot of questions about who are some teams toward the bottom of both the East and the Western Conference who could make some noise come playoff time all that sort of stuff I want to spend a good amount of time uh, probably three to four minutes per each team that I want to evaluate here uh, and just talk about it, because obviously we're really close to the playoffs. The playing game is basically about two weeks away. We're obviously toward the last um, 10 to 15 so games in this regular season. Uh, and I'm very excited to see moving forward how uh, the rest of the playoff landscape comes about, which teams make it in. Uh, and I think it's going to be very exciting. I think obviously the season has been very chaotic. We've had the COVID stuff in the beginning. A lot of injuries, especially to some of the bigger name superstars, all that sort of stuff. So I think we're all just really excited, uh, both myself and a lot of fans, to just finally get to the playoffs. Uh, hopefully with little to no injuries, no more COVID scares, and really have an awesome, uh, really have an awesome postseason this year. Because obviously last one, uh, despite its ups and downs, was really entertaining. Was obviously one of the better ones in my lifetime. So without further ado, I want to get started here with one of my first questions that I want answered here, and that's to: that, What do I make? Of The Los Angeles Lakers obviously currently right now the Lakers are ranked sixth in the Western Conference and they're in a bit of a bloodbath right now Dallas Or is has currently has the same record as them and Portland has a half is trailing only half a game and obviously this matters for the standings because uh Of those teams, two of them are going to be skipping the play-in tournament because only the top six seeds are safe from having to be in that play-in. And this is obviously going to be a very big deal. Obviously, there's been recent comments from LeBron James about the legitimacy of the play-in, which obviously raises a couple questions. And we can uh, shelve that off to the side for a later conversation. But that's going to be a really big deal, especially where the Lakers end up uh, come playoff time. Uh, A couple of fun facts about the Lakers, which I'm going to do for every team um first off currently 37 and 28 once again put some 6th in the Western Conference. Uh, as of now 24th in offensive rating and first in defensive rating, which is obviously the team we expected. Uh it's obviously without LeBron James and Anthony Davis, a lot of their guys are these defensive minded uh slash big guys who you know can uh, basically give a lot of energy off the bench or in the starting lineup in small sample sizes. Um I'm really intrigued moving with the Lakers is that what is their ceiling? Um because you can make a, a case That the Lakers last year got really lucky in the postseason, especially given that the matchups they faced. It was a Portland team that was basically had to win all of their games in the postseason, quite frankly, to make it into the bubble, or make it into the uh, bubble postseason in the first place. It was a Rockets team whose two weaknesses were guarding LeBron AD. And then it was a Nuggets team that was not supposed to make it, and it took a miracle. Uh, you know, once in a million comeback against the Clippers to make it to the Western Conference finals. And then they faced a Heat team who lost two of their three best players basically due to nagging injuries, and they were 80% or 50% the rest of the series. Uh, and it was a team that no one, uh, quite frankly, few people really expected to make the postseason. So I just want to know are the Lakers of old going to come back for this postseason? The case for the Lakers is that they have easily the best team all around in the entire league. I can make a case that. With LeBron James and Anthony Davis at 110% health, the core of this team plus those two guys should be the overwhelming favorites. I think LeBron, the numbers he's put up this year have been fantastic. He was easily one of the best MVP candidates prior to his ankle injury. Anthony Davis, we saw last year in the postseason, was basically the most unstoppable force in NBA history, especially when it came to his role as a defender both on the perimeter and the post. And in the uh, post. The fact that he shot you know, 55% or so from mid-range and long twos um, the core of this team is also really good too. KCP is a reliable three and D guard as long as his three pointers are going in. Dennis Schroeder is you know a guard that can give you thirty minutes a night. Uh, I really like the Drummond, Harold, Gasol, whatever the hell at center, uh, especially Harold this year who's been really good as a spark plug off the bench and as actually a defender this year he's actually looked really a lot better as uh in terms of giving his hustle and heart. Um. Wesley Matthews, Ben McElmore, I've really liked. All of these 3 and D wings. The theory of this team makes sense. You have two of the five best players, one healthy in the entire week, surrounded by a bunch of guys who know their role. Um, and obviously the big question is, who are they going to face in the first round? Because you can make a case that they'll be, as of now, they would basically be facing the Clippers in round one. Um, we know for sure it's going to be one of three scenarios. They can either face the Clippers in round one they can move up to the five and basically face one of the Clippers or Denver. Because obviously that three, there's a gap between one and two in the West, three through four, and then five through seven. And I obviously will determine if the Nuggets and Clippers are staying where they are. Basically, I think if you're the Lakers, to keep it very simple, I think if you're the Lakers, you want to play Denver. I think Denver, without Jamal Murray, is still a weak team. I think that they have a lot of weaknesses, both as a roster. I think defensively, they're a nightmare. Uh, And I think that's the most favorable matchup. I think out of all these teams, you don't want to face the Clippers in the first round. You don't want to face a team like, let's say, Phoenix. You definitely want to avoid the bubble. So obviously, this will be a very big deal uh, come playoff time. And I really think that it works in the best uh, advantage to the Lakers that they face a team like Denver and at the very least avoid the in. You want to avoid the Clippers in the first round, all that sort of stuff. Especially because the bracket right now is very favorable for the Lakers. If they can move to that five spot... Dallas, as a sixth seed, would basically be eliminated because I think they don't have stand a chance against the Clippers. You get the, the Nuggets in the first round, which is nice. Fiend, if the postseason plays as it normally should, one of the th- Suns or Clippers will be eliminated before the conference finals. You face a Jazz team that's been really good, but has also uh, really struggled the last month or so. And Donovan Mitchell's obviously not playing as of now. I can see a real world here in which the Lakers can return to their championship form. Everybody's healthy. Their guys are making their shots. They play that defense that they had that has been ranked number one all this season and will be number one in the playoffs. And they're a tough team to score against. And I really like them against a lot of these teams. The questions are going to be, is LeBron Anthony Davis healthy? Can all their guys make their jump shots? But I really see this team as a legit contender. And if they honestly um, win back-to-back titles, I would not be surprised in the slightest. Let's move on to the other big name contender. This time out east, the Brooklyn Nets. My question: What the hell do I make of this roster? Uh, obviously, Brooklyn this year currently ranking in the top of the Eastern Conference. They're at forty-three and twenty-three, which puts them just below Philly for the first seed in the Eastern Conference. They are currently second, uh, ranking right now first in offensive rating, but only a mere twenty-seventh in defensive rating. Um, the big question for Brooklyn is obviously a lot of things. First off, what's the deal with their big three? Because Harden is still not playing. Kevin Durant is playing, but obviously there's a lot of questions regarding can that hamstring and those lower body injuries basically stay away. Um, I have a lot of questions regarding this their lineup, especially in particular, like what's the go to? Um, is Blake Griffin gonna be your small ball five? Or are you gonna play somebody like a DeAndre Jordan or a Nicholas Claxton? What is the rest? How what is your um, your way to you know be competent on defense? Is it putting Jeff Green out there? Are you trying to put Landry Shamit out there maybe? Are you trying to put Bruce Brown in there for a ton of minutes? I think the problem with Brooklyn's roster is that they have a lot. We know what the top three is, and I think just that next five, I have a lot of question marks about. I think Joe Harris is probably in there. He's been excellent this season, uh, shooting, you know, basically almost 50% from three on some pretty decent volume. But I really do struggle with this roster in terms of what they can look like. Because I think a lot of people brought this up. There's a world out there in which they win the championship. And there's also a universe out there where they lose in five games to the Bucks or the Sixers in the conference um, semifinals. And I really think what we saw from this last week or so is that Brooklyn really struggles against the, the um, Bucks and the Lakers of the world. Where they struggle with these very oversized wing players who can just dominate the game. We saw Giannis Cook for back-to-back awesome nights. And Brooklyn couldn't do anything about it. And he was making three pointers. He was driving inside. Chris Middleton had a field day. Drew Holiday's putting up buckets. And we and this is against a team that in Milwaukee that doesn't have like a very creative offense. It's not you know uh, Warriors-esque where there's a lot of ball movement. It's not Rockets-esque where it's a revolving around one guy. They really do have a, a solid amount of offensive creation, but not anything in particular that's special. And yet Brooklyn was sitting there in the dust and. A lot of their guys are just not, quite frankly, Like if we're going down the roster, James Harden is a very solid post defender, and that's about it. Kyrie, when he wants to, can be above average, but he's not a ceiling raiser. I think Kevin Durant you can't really rely on as a defender just because he has so much offensive load to carry. And even then, he's like very tall and lengthy, but obviously not the same uh, defensively as he was uh, pre-Achilles tear. Joe Harris is, again, average at best. Jeff Green, good, but nothing amazing. LaMarcus Aldridge is terrible, and I, well, he's actually retired. I mean, he's off the top of my head. But Blake Griffin, their other new acquisition, he's not a good defender. Very quick, sandy, and slow in defense. DeAndre Jordan's a past his prime. Bruce Brown is arguably their best defender and should be their best defender. Besides, I would argue, Nicholas Claxton. But with that said, though, Bruce Brown, the limited offensive game, the shooting, you know, basically no three-pointers. He's not even attempting one a game, and he's shooting below 30%, which means... You can make up for that because he's obviously the only non shooter in the court, probably at all times. And I also have a lot of questions about their bench. I mean, do we want, how much is, are there like end of the guys, uh, bench guys playing? Is Tyler Johnson going to be playing a lot of minutes? Uh, is Mike James going to be playing a lot of minutes? What about Chris Gioza? Um Again, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown? Like, where are the role, what is the role for some of these role players uh, toward the end of the bench for Brooklyn? I also have a question against where they're going to be in the standings. I think we can assume that they're probably going to be one of the first or second seed. However, they only have a game-and-a-half lead above Milwaukee for three, but that's the case for another day. Um, as of now, they would be facing the Heat in round one, although they're tied with the Celtics, and that'll could be that be argued about or talked about in a little bit. So, yeah, obviously there's a lot of questions with this roster. I'm very intrigued at what is going to happen to them, uh, because obviously there's a gajillion directions they can go, and they are by far and away uh the most talented team in terms of their best three players but I also think there's a lot of questions with this roster and I think people penciling in them as you know the automatic favorite for uh, the NBA title is simply ridiculous I think that we need to let this play out more and honestly just wait till the postseason to see what happens so yeah uh definitely I'm excited for this team as the other big dog uh contender but obviously I want to just see how this develops out uh, toward the rest of the year the next team I want to talk about here is or my next question rather is Who's going to be the first seed in the Western Conference? We're going to move back to the other conference here and keep going back and forth. Um, we obviously have two very talented teams in both the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns here. Um, starting off with Utah, obviously a fantastic start to the year. Currently at 47-18. Uh, third in offensive rating and third in defensive rating. Um, obviously one of the better teams in the regular season so far. And obviously they got off to a hot start. Uh, there was a point where, you know, they were far, by far and away the best team. And there's a lot of questions regarding, you know, uh, should we take them seriously as contenders? Uh, and on the flip side, there was also questions as like, could this be the 2019 Bucks, a very good regular season team uh, that has a bit of deficiencies and inabilities uh, come playoff time? Uh, the case for Utah, um, basically their top five have been amazing. Uh, Mitchell's a twenty-six, four and five every night, shooting lights out, especially from three. The thirty-nine percent on nine attempts per game is absolutely beautiful. Eighty-five percent for the line is really good. Um, the their their key to success is probably lying in Mitchell and their guys hitting threes. We've seen Royce O'Neal hit thirty-nine percent of his threes. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich has hit. Or Bojan Bogdanovic just had 38% of his threes. Mike Conway on seven attempts is at 40%. Joe Ingles is shooting 47%. And the key one has been Jordan Clarkson, only 34%, but taking nine a game. Uh, and he is obviously probably the bench factor or the, uh, excuse me, the key factor, or the X factor, rather. For this Jazz team, because obviously, cooking in the regular season, he probably is going to be the leading candidate for sixth man of the year just because that award always tends to favor the very high inefficient scorer who gets hot off the bench. However, um, he's going to be really crucial come playoff time, especially because when the offense is stagnant and teams are going to leave Royce O'Neill open and they're going to make uh, Bojan Bogdanovic you know, do some stuff off the dribble. Can Jordan Clarkson be that guy? Because I really like this team from the top three or four but I'm really struggling after that. I think they're very prone to losing to the Clippers or Lakers just because of the lack of size to go up against LeBron. And also, I think Anthony Davis is just a way better player than Rudy Gobert, A. I think B, defensively, I think the theory of both teams is really good. And yeah, I just like the Lakers way more in terms of stopping guys. Um, and I also think if you're the Jazz, your best bet is that you want to face Phoenix, in the first round, or excuse me, of at some point, rather than the Lakers and Clippers, the interesting thing here about the Jazz is that obviously there was this whole deal about them getting the first seed. Because if you get the first seed, one of the Clippers or Lakers, which you can argue the two best teams out west, would beat each other. However, if we look at the scenario now, there is a world in which, if the Lakers can somehow get the fifth seed, or at the very least be in that range. And the Jazz beat their first-round opponent, which is going to be very easy. There is a universe out there where they could face the Lakers in round two. And I think they did not want that at all. The case for them, though, being the one seed, which I think matters the most, is that they they get to, you know, chill in the fir- first round. They're going to be facing one of Portland, Memphis, the Warriors, the Spurs. Those aren't really good teams, to be fr- quite frank, especially if, you know, uh, the Portland gets upset. And even against the Trailblazers, I think they, they stand a very good chance. So i'm really excited for them obviously i think having home court throughout the entire postseason obviously is going to be very beneficial to them so hopefully they can get that um because that'll be very crucial for them come playoff time it's obviously very close between them the jazz in the east excuse me in the rest but then the east we got brooklyn and philly uh fighting in there so obviously it's crucial with the jazz but then i want to group them up with phoenix because it's very it's two teams that are you know very built similarly um, in terms of the players that they rely on, the scheme that they're going for, and their upside to make it into the NBA Finals, uh, Phoenix currently right now also for uh, forty-seven and eighteen right now, just behind Utah for that one seed. Currently seventh in offensive rating and sixth in defensive rating, so you could see very well balanced team. Similar to Phoenix, they rely upon their very strong backcourt. Obviously, the Mike Conway-Mitchell versus Booker-Paul duo. Uh, Booker's been amazing, 26 points a game on very good efficiency. Chris Paul has an MVP case at uh, 16-5-9. Uh, basically, has turned to John Stockton almost, but slightly better. Has been the leader for this team and has turned this ship around. DeAndre Aiden has taken a step up as a uh, pick-and-roll defender and as an overall NBA center. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, J- uh, Jay Crowder, and Cameron Johnson, along with Tory Craig, as that quad duo at the wing, has been very, very good. And I just really like the balance of this team. Like, even like Sarge off the bench as a backup five, Etwan, Moore, and Carter, and Galloway. Like, they have a really loaded team where if somebody's not cold, they can easily be like, or if somebody's very cold, they can easily take them out. Because the key for this team is uh, similar to Utah, basically hot shooting from three. They have a lot of creation, don't get me wrong, but there's also a question about can this offense become you know, too stagnant because at some point Chris Paul is going to be burning out, especially if he plays a lot of minutes. Devin Booker is going to be getting a lot of the attention. DeAndre Jordan, while talented and considerably capable, is also a very passive uh, guy at the center position. He doesn't draw a lot of free throws. He takes a lot of mid-range you know, jump shots, uh, little quick catch and shoots out from the post. So it's going to be a lot of Mikhail Bridges three-pointers. Jay Crowder getting hot. Tory Craig making, you know, one or two a game. Uh, Cameron Payne, you know, coming off the bench, you know, hitting a couple, uh, stuff like that. So it'll be very interesting to see how that works uh, in Phoenix's favor. Again, we have two very interesting teams here also fighting for that top two seed in the West. And it matters. I mean, if you're Phoenix and you're at the two seed, there's a world in which you could play the Lakers in round one. And it's very realistic. There's also a world in which you could play somebody like the Grizzlies or the Warriors in round one. But you just don't want to take that bet. If you're the Phoenix Suns, To make it out of the NBA final or make it to the NBA finals, you want to be in that scenario where you're playing as the least amount of games as possible. You're getting home court more likely than not throughout the playoffs. You get to avoid having to face one of these bigger dog teams because they're going to have to go each other at some point because I think the West is clearly a four team race, maybe five if Denver can pull something out of their butt. Um, So I think really that's the key for both these teams it's obtaining the one seed getting that home court and honestly having a couple things break their way maybe the clippers flame out again maybe lebron and anthony davis never are healthy maybe the clippers and the lakers one of them face each other early on and just like that one of the uh shoe in quote unquote contenders is out just like that um so obviously i think we need to focus on that and just see how that plays out the last two weeks because i think this year especially more than ever i think getting The right matchup in the first round is important going forward. It gives you that momentum. And I also think obtaining as many advantages uh, overall as possible could be crucial for a team going far. And that's certainly the case for Utah and Phoenix. The next team I want to talk about here is the Philadelphia 76ers. And my question for them is... Is this their year? Are they being underrated? What is the case for this roster to make it and win the NBA title? Uh, Currently right now, 44-21, putting that first in the Eastern Conference. 13th on offense, second in defense, pardon me. I really like this team, honestly. I think the key for them is that um, Joel Embiid, when healthy, has been an MVP candidate. Um, ben Simmons, at, while inconsistent at times, is still a very capable wing. Arguably, the best defensive player in the entire league. Tobias Harris, yet again, has taken a leap under Doc Rivers, particularly as a secondary shot creator and a little bit of a distributor, averaging almost four assists a the game. Their ability to surround these guys with three point shooting, and you know, Seth Curry who's making a lot on some decent volume. Danny Green, who's you know made over forty percent of his threes. George Hill, who Inconsistent, but in the theory of him is very good. Furkan Korkmaz has hit, you know, a lot of three. Shake Milton obviously is still there. I really like this team. I think the question for them is going to be, what's the plan B when MB gets double teamed? Because obviously, what we saw in postseason's seasons past is that once that option hits them. They haven't really had the talent around them to make up for it. I think this is their best year in terms of that. Besides maybe that year where they had Butler and uh, like Jimmy Butler on the team, just because they have a lot of three point here. I think the spacing on this team is fantastic, especially along the perimeter. Um, this, I mean, there's gonna be questions about what that final five is too. I mean, do you go with George Hill because he's a better defender? Could Tyrese Maxey see some minutes just because he's an athlete and you know can you know do stuff off the dribble? Uh, will Danny Green grow cold because obviously he's the easily Uh, you know, fluctuates a lot between the regular season and the postseason. You know, one day he's lightning hot and, you know, the next time he's uh, freezing cold. Um, But I really like this team. Uh, Similarly, I think there's a universe out there where they can flame out or they can make the NBA Finals and win. Uh, And B's health is definitely going to be a factor. Simmons, especially, is going to be a very big factor just because I don't know what his effectiveness is on offense, especially when we're in the half court, you know, things slow down. There isn't that many fast break opportunities. All that sort of stuff. And, I mean, to be honest, it's just hard to score against certain teams when your game is built around, you know, prim, uh, you know post-based. A lot of, you know, I got to have the ball in the hands to be effective. Uh, you can only do so much with, you know, cutting off the ball and, you know, screening off ball and, you know, doing pin downs and all that sort of stuff when you have a dominant center who's going to be playing, you know, 30-ish minutes a night and a couple other guys who just need the ball in their hand, like a Tobias Harris or a Seth Curry or a Shake Milton. Uh, So, obviously, I have a question with that. In terms of how they look out east regarding the actual standings, similarly, I think you want to be in the first round. You want to have the first seat. I think avoiding – having Brooklyn and Milwaukee play each other is going to be very fascinating if they can get that done because, obviously, that eliminates one of those contenders. I think if you're the Sixers, you want to face – I would lean toward Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn has a lot of offensive upside, but they can't stop Embiid. And on the other hand, I think, I think you just want to... I'm a little bit more higher up on Milwaukee than most people are. Um, I, I think those, both those teams those still have a, a, a bone to pick. And obviously, if you're at the first seed, though, there's a drop-off for sure between the Brooklyn Nets and Bucks. And then, you know, the Hawks, Celtics, uh, Knicks, Heat, uh, quad, duo right, uh, quad right there. I just think there's a low, uh, difference in terms of talent and a difference in terms of their upside. So if you're Philly, I think you need to, you know, have, go in hot. Uh, especially coming in as, you know, the first team in the East. I think you want to get that well-needed rest. You want to face an easy team in the first round because it's going to be basically one of the Hornets, Wizards, or Pacers, which definitely beats having to be, uh, you know, a world where, you know, you're in Milwaukee and you have to face Boston in the first round or you're the Nets and you have to face the Heat. So I think, again, having that first seed is going to be very crucial. It could determine even how far they go because let's say, you know, that the second seed and just like that, you know, you're playing Milwaukee in the first round, you're, or in the second round, you're playing Brooklyn maybe in the second round. You don't want to do that. You want to make your road to the NBA Finals as easy as possible. We've seen time and time again that stamina matters, and at some point certain teams both physically and mentally burn out. Uh, so I really want to see that from, uh, from Philly's side of things, uh, especially as this season wraps up. And I want to see, uh, really, they're going to be, I think, my team in terms of who I want to root for the most, uh, besides, obviously, the Heat, just because I'm so fascinated by their roster. They've been really good all year, um, and Bede has been, obviously, when on the court, probably the best two-way player in the league, especially on offense, where he's just look freaking unstoppable. So I really want to see how this team goes moving forward. The next question I have regards the Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets, and that is, are they already done before they even start their time in the postseason? Uh, Obviously, we have two teams here who have had very wild seasons. It's a Denver team that started off slow, Uh, First and foremost, uh, was toward the bottom in the standings for the longest time. Uh, Picked it up toward the uh, middle, and now earlier part, uh, later part of the season. Uh, Obviously, there's the implications regarding the Jamal Murray ACL tear, which now puts their second best score arguably out of the race, or out of the out of their team for the foreseeable future. And then you have a team like Dallas, where, again, started off slow because of COVID. A lot of the guys were absent. Luka showed up out of shape. Porzingis wasn't healthy. Uh, but now they've been on fire as of late. They started to pick it up. Their team has been really good uh, on both ends of the court, particularly on offense, where I think their guys are now starting to hit their shot. And some of their guys, especially the Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway, and some of those types of uh, players, have really stepped up their games as of recently. Um, if we go in terms of stat-wise, we'll start with Denver at 43-22, and 22, currently 4th in the Western Conference and just behind the LA Clippers for that 3 seed. 4th in offensive rating, 12th in defensive rating, although that defensive rating is a bit high just because of some opponent's shooting luck and especially this little hot streak they've had uh, toward the uh, latter part of this season. Obviously, uh, led by Nikola Jokic, averaging 26-11 and basically 9 assists. Uh, Has played almost every game, if not every game, uh, for this season. Shooting very well from the field at 56, 40, and 86. Uh, Probably the runaway MVP candidate, especially if they can have a top four seed and maybe even the three seed. And he's just been so damn awesome. Uh, The question for this roster... Um, first off, is Michael Porter Jr. going to be very good in the playoffs? He's averaging a 19-8 right now and has you know, lit the freaking uh, f- roof on fire with his shooting. Currently at 44% from three on six attempts per game. Uh, and then the other question is what to make of their other role, guys. Is Austin Rivers going to be something of a band-aid for the uh, Murray injury? Is Aaron Gordon going to be a legit defensive stopper against the LeBrons and Anthony Davises of the world? Um, can I rely on the Will Barton... Uh, Monty Morris, P.J. Dozier, Trio to just be a theory on offense. Uh, is Paul Millsap and Jermichael Green enough defensively against uh, some of these uh, very big lineups, uh, especially in the Western Conference where there's a lot of teams that have really good centers, very good backcourt depth? Uh, overall, I'm obviously a fan of the Nuggets. Uh, particularly Jokic's game however I think this is a team that can easily lose in the first round just because of the Murray injury is huge uh, defensively they're probably going to be one of the worst in the bubble or excuse me in the postseason they're going to have to rely similarly to the bubble pardon me on opponents just not hitting their shots and them just you know getting some lucky uh, shots to go in they're basically relying on a bunch of role players to hit their shots and a lot of them I'm very scared of especially Aaron Gordon with limited experience Will Barton who's always had a streaky jump shot Monty Morris who's you know it's hard to Play a small guard so many minutes in the playoffs. Uh, Austin Rivers is very hot or cold. Paul Millsap's 35. Uh, JaVale McGee's a center. I just really have a lot of trouble with this roster. Uh, and I, again, I think if you're any team in the West, you want to face this team more than anybody uh, in the first round. On the other hand, you have the Dallas Mavericks, 37 and 28, fifth in the Western Conference. Again, just behind that next group of uh, NBA teams. Uh, eighth on offense and 20th on defense. And I think if you're a team like the Clippers or the Suns or even the Nuggets, I do not want to face the Mavericks in the first round. I'm obvi- I'm a huge Luka Doncic fan, averaging a 29 8 and 9 for this year. He's been fantastic from the four, especially from 3 where he's now, you know, 36% on 8 attempts per game. He's hitting these ridiculous stepbacks. He's caught fire recently. Um and all their guys are hitting their shots. Dorian Finney Smith is at 40%. Josh Richardson, you know, is a solid defender. He's, you know, hot and cold. Um, Tim Hardaway's at eight eight attempts, thirty-nine percent, maxi Kleba's at 42%, Jalen Brunson's at 39%. All of their guys can make shots. Trey Brooks at 37%. This team relies a lot on uh open three-point shooters hitting their shots. The key for this team is gonna be Christoph Sporzingas. Can he be an effective player who's healthy, playing good on defense? Hitting a clutch, especially very contested three-pointers. Can he be a second scorer? Because the one problem with the Mavericks, obviously, I think, besides their defense, which they actually have a lot of quality guys. They just don't play well as a team. But on offense, their team does scare me. I think... Um, Dorian Finney-Smith is just a standstill three-point shooter. Josh Richardson, you really don't want to have the ball in his hands. Tim Hardaway is very limited. Jerry Brunson's is very limited. Trey Burke is, you know, hot, cold. A lot of their guys, you know, you want you can have them have the ball, but I don't know if you necessarily want them to have the ball. And uh, similar to the Denver Nuggets, there's just a lot of questions with the roster, particularly on defense, um, particularly on who can step up from their role, guys, besides their top two players. So, again, I think there's a case in which you don't want to face Dallas in the first round. I really like Dallas's roster more than Denver. However, uh, I'm very also, I also have a lot of questions I don't think can be answered, especially when it comes to their uh, perimeter and uh, uh, paint defense in terms of can a second guy step up to help Luka shoulder the load on offense, uh, and can the role guys really step up in the playoffs? My next question, obviously, is going to be moving back to the Eastern Conference. Only just a couple more things here. And that's that, what do I make of the middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference? So, obviously, I'm talking about four teams here. The New York Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks, the Boston Celtics, and then my hometown, Miami Heat. Uh, we're going to run down through each of the records, and then I want to talk about each of these teams, respectively. Uh, New York is currently at 37-28. and 28. Um, currently fourth in the Eastern Conference and just ahead of Atlanta for that uh fourth seed. Currently 18th on offense, but the key for them fourth on defense, which has definitely been a bit of a shocker this year. Atlanta currently at 36 and 30, fifth in the Eastern Conference, but right behind New York, uh, ninth on offense and 22nd on defense. Uh, the Miami Heat at thirty five and thirty one is twenty second on offense, but a, a very solid eighth on defense. And then lastly, the Boston Celtics thirty four and thirty one on the year, uh, twelfth in offense and then fifteenth on defense. I want to start here with the Knicks. Obviously, a bit of a shocker this year. Out of all of these teams, they have uh, had the best upside this year than I think anyone else could imagine. Um, The defense has been very good. There's a case that Julius Randle could be an all-NBA candidate this year, especially maybe toward that second-team forward or third-team forward spot. There's even some crazy people out there saying he's a first-team guy. I don't know so much about that. But he's been very good this year. Uh, R.J. Barrett has definitely taken the leap from his rookie year, especially with the three-point shooting uh, and the overall confidence he's had in this game. Uh, Reggie Bullock as a three-in-D D- D- wing has been a revelation. Derek Rose as a uh, trade target they got at the year has been very nice for them. Uh, Alfred Payne has been you know a thing at the guard. Uh, Taj Gibson's been a backup center. They have a lot of uh, intriguing guys. I think the question for them is going to be um, what their ceiling is in the playoffs. I think you can make a case they're usually a first-round loss. Just because that their one key asset, which is defense slash hustle slash rebounding, every NBA team does in the playoffs. And when when your biggest strength is taken away, and you have to rely on your next uh group of strengths, New York doesn't really have that. Besides Randall, there isn't really a lot of offensive creation. Uh, Randall's prone to also dribbling the traffic and basically coughing up the ball. A lot of other guys scare me from the three point uh, shooting threes, uh, including the Alfred Paytons and uh. RJ Barrett's And Reggie Blocks Of the world Although they're capable of it A lot of their guys Are somewhat young I mean RJ Barrett's still 20 uh, Emmanuel Clickwee getting some minutes a uh, 21 Kevin Knox is 21 Obi Toppin's 22 so they have a lot of uh, young dudes who have never been there before. Even a guy like Neuron Noel is 26. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, if he maybe comes back, is only 22. And even Randall. Randall's never had a, a season where he's been you know, the lead guy or even a guy on a playoff team uh, besides that one Pelicans year. So uh, I'm really um, scared that this team, while obviously very good that they're back in the playoffs for the first time in basically eight years, that they've been this successful. I think the NBA is always fun with the Knicks or, you know, doing decent. Um, but there's obviously a lot of downside with the team. There's a case where they can maybe tail off. Um, they have, they're the easily my candidate for the best regular season surprise, but uh, biggest uh, playoff disappointment award probably. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Moving on to the Atlanta Hawks, obviously another team that I think a little bit surpassed expectations. Uh, Trey Young's been amazing with 26 points and nine assists per game. Uh, their wings have been amazing. DeAndre Hunter's not playing now, but he's been fantastic. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich has been absolutely on fire with averaging 16 four and three shooting awesomely from three. Um, John Collins and Quinn Capella as a front court have been very or as a uh, front court. Excuse me, have been very good. Kevin Herter has looked very decent. They're. The Gallinari and Lou Williams duo off the bench has actually been not terrible, which is nice, especially Lou Williams. Solomon Hill, as you know, this like capable-ish three who can, you know, play 15 minutes as a starter and then get bench has been, you know, pretty solid, not going to lie. So I really like this team. Once again, I'm not as high on Atlanta as a lot of people. Um, I'm very scared about Trey Young as your best guy in a in a playoff setting. Um, John Collins never been there. Quinn Capella, I think a lot of teams are basically going to make him do something with the ball in his hands, and they're basically going to sag off that because obviously he can't shoot. They're going to rely on you know these Lou Williams or uh, the Lou Williams and you know Tony Snell's and Solomon Hills, so you know basically shoot threes, and I don't really know if they can do that. Uh, especially because a lot of the guys are very inconsistent. So similar to New York, I think it's another team where they're very good in the regular season. We're happy that they got here, but there is really nowhere they're going to go, and they have a very low playoff ceiling. Now, these other two teams I'm very uh, intrigued to talk about, especially the Miami Heat here. Obviously, a lot of difficulty toward the beginning of the year. There was questions about... Uh, if they can even return to their bubble form. Uh, The loss of Jay Crowder was pretty huge, and the big question all year was, you know, who's going to be that that other guy in that final five uh, that used to be Crowder? There was issues with COVID, issues with injuries. Um, But the Heat, I think, are starting to round up into semi- form of what they're going to be, which is that Jimmy Butler is going to be the lead guy on offense, even though he still can't shoot threes. Bam bio has taken a very good lead this year, particularly as a, distribu- a distributor and as a scorer, uh, and also as a uh, help defender, I think. Duncan Robinson is still on fire from three. Tyler Hero starting around into form Kendrick Nunn has uh uh came back from the dead and has you know been a very key contributor. Uh, Goran Dragic, when healthy, has been very good. The big question for them is going to be: Can the role guys step up? Can Tyler Hero return to bubble hero form? Is Duncan? Um, what are teams? What are we going to do? You know when t- uh, Duncan Robinson gets double teamed? Can Jimmy Butler really uh, turn it on like he did in the last postseason? Is Kendrick Nunn going to flame out? Is Oladipo, for better or worse, going to come back? You know semi healthy. Um, is Trevor Ariza, you know, does he still have something in the tank? Is Iguodala still have something in the tank? How much can Dwayne Dedman give us? I think a lot of these guys off the bench, uh, there's going to be questions about whether this team can create enough offense. I think the only way they can win is similar to last year where get some lucky shooting, force a lot of misses, uh, run in transition, get a lot of defensive stops. All very basic stuff, but it's the formula they won uh, last year. And obviously, they have a case where, you know, they can, you know, upset a team. Like, as of right now, if they're the the sixth seed, theoretically, which they are now, they could face Milwaukee in the first round. I think Milwaukee this year is better than most people expect. I think they've been very underrated as a team. Um, But at the same time, though, if Miami, that's the match we probably want to face. I think if you're Miami, you don't want to face Philly, and you don't want to face Brooklyn, I would rather face Milwaukee. Uh, We have a lot of upside against that team. And also, we can even just sneak into that 4-5 or spot and, you know, make some noise there, Uh, even top a one seed. So, obviously, a lot of upside with this team, a lot of downside. And, of course, the last of these four teams I want to talk about is the Boston Celtics. Currently at 34 and 31, as mentioned earlier. Literally the team of average. They're barely top 15 in both offense and defensive rating. Uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tan this year have been absolutely fantastic. And the rest of the roster has been anything but. Uh, Kemba Walker has been very inconsistent all year, especially as a scorer, only shooting 41% from the field and 35% from three. Um, Evan Fournier has been very good from three, but is also only shooting thirty eight percent from the field. Uh, Peyton Pritchard has been good, but in limited quantity. Uh, Marcus Smart is a guy, but I don't know if you want him shooting. You know, you know, uh, eleven times a game. I think this team has a lot of potential where they could get hot, especially if you know they have a seven or eight man rotation. But this team has also been very bad all year. Quite frankly, I think they're very weak in the front court. Or in the backcourt, excuse me, or excuse me, in the frontcourt, especially when it comes against the Milwaukee's and the, excuse me, and against the Phillies of the world. I think your best bet, if you're Boston, is that you want to face probably um, Philly, just because I think they can't stop Giannis, and I think they don't have enough scoring against Brooklyn, but I think they have enough where they can counter and be going for forty points with them stopping, um, maybe basically making Ben Simmons create more, making their three pointers really make those shots. Um, so, again, I'm not a huge fan of Boston. I think their best chance to win was probably last year, and they flamed out. And I just think that with Brown and Sam as your two best players, very good team. I think you can be above five hundred, but I still haven't seen it yet from those two guys as, you know, stepping up in a postseason and leading a team to something more than the Eastern Conference semis or finals uh, before flaming out against, you know, the, the cream of the crop. Uh, and obviously there's questions here regarding their bench step, I think. The fact that their top guys after, you know, their starting five is, you know, Peyton Pritchard, Robert Williams, uh, Grant Williams, Semi-Ojoe, uh, Romeo Langford, Devontae Smith, Aaron Smith, Jabari Parker. Like, these are terrible names right here, especially toward that last little bit. And I just think you can't play those guys in a playoff setting. I'm sorry. If you're a Boston fan, you should be very scared with those guys uh, if, if they're in your playoff rotation. Yeah, basically just to round out this con- little uh, 35 or so minute pod out here, uh, I don't want to do anything regarding the playing game. I spent a lot of talking about that in the last pod uh, with Ozzy. Um, however, just to round out things here, I think we can all say we're very excited for what's to come for this postseason. Definitely, if you're an NBA fan, keep in mind about the standings. Keep in mind about how what the seating implications are for some of these rosters. Uh, and most importantly, let's just be excited that we've made it to this postseason. I think... We're very happy to have the NBA back almost at 100% as it was pre-pandemic. Uh, I'm very excited to myself for this postseason because there's literally a world in which nine different teams could win the NBA title. Like If I'm running through this list in the East, I think Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and probably the Heat are all the case. And I think if you're in the West, the Jazz, Suns, Clippers and Lakers all the case. Right there, that's just eight teams, and you never know. With this year, all it takes is – in any year, especially this year, it takes one COVID absence, one injury, one mess-up, one screw-up to change the whole season around for better or for worse. So I think we should keep that in mind going forward uh, toward the rest of this postseason. That's going to do it for this episode. Really thank you guys for appreciating it with all the support. Uh, we've already reached the 20-episode marker, and we've got plenty more content coming along the way. After this episode gets released, we have an episode coming out on Friday uh, featuring two guests talking about the NFL Draft, changing it up a little bit. We've had a lot of NBA recently. Uh, And then, honestly, we're going to get ready to cranky on some postseason content. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. We obviously need to do one last segment regarding awards, especially uh, what's going to be the case uh this year when it comes to things like the MVP and the all NBA arguments. Overall it's gonna be a very fun stretch. I'm excited to be cranking out this content, especially when my schedule starts to loosen up and we'll have plenty of free time for not even just NBA stuff, but obviously we got the postseason coming up. I want to do a lot of stuff regarding summer talk. We got the NFL obviously trying to kick itself into gear with the off season. I want to get a little more into that. Um it's gonna be a very fun time. Once again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for all your latest episodes. Uh, I'm Dominic Chapone. Once again, you're, uh, thank you for listening to this. Uh, once in a little blue moon of a, of a solo episode here, we'll be back with more guests coming soon. But thank you guys once again for listening.